0: This is the Connor Chepnik Podcast, episode two. Today I'm here with Nicholas Burns, construction worker, also a Bitcoin maximalist and co-host of the Nick and Griff show. Nick, I appreciate you taking some time to come on and talk Bitcoin today.
1: Man, I'm excited to hang out with you again, Connor.
0: So, you know, bear market, obviously the network might be growing stronger every day, but the spot price is down. So I wanted to ask, what are some of your favorite Bitcoin apps you're using? Um, and things that, you know, just get a few extra sats every day while the fiat spot price is, you know, down. For
1: sure. Yeah. I, you know, I think, uh, I think the, um, the application side of it is really interesting because, you know, it's kind of like the infrastructure, right? That's part of the infrastructure of it. And, uh, you know, Bitcoin as a hypothetical money, right, and the fundamentals of these principles of what money should be. It's it's great it's fine and it's dandy but if we if we don't have a way to utilize it right then like how does it how does it actually impact life? Um, but so I think the application side was pretty interesting. I use Strike to buy. Uh, I also have direct deposit set up from from work. Like
0: nice. uh, every paycheck DCA.
1: Every paycheck uh, every every other week which. I tried at one point. I tried. So I, so I know what that set amount is. That set. because so I, I do. I save 20% directly to directly to Bitcoin. And so I know what that that amount is going to be every paycheck. And so I, at one point, I set up DCAs for every single day. Or, or I, at one point, I set it for every hour. So I just did it. OK, two weeks, divide that by uh, divide that by the amount of money or the amount of money by that two weeks. And then I'll do an hourly purchase you know, for that whole time, but I couldn't do it. I just, I I wanted to buy too much, but, and then I store in Blue Wallet. I store in Blue Wallet. I want to switch to cold card. I need to, I want to get a cold card. Uh, But right now I'm still just on Blue Wallet. And um, let's see, I use Fold. I do use Fold, uh, which is great that they've got uh, instant transfers now. So I'll spend, I spend a decent amount of my regular expenses on that and get sats back. So those are the main ones I use
0: um so lolly you know i love that you ever used the lolly app before i haven't no so they got this little chest and sometimes it's like 30 sats it's not a lot but i have gotten a hundred thousand sats one time but essentially every day every 24 hours nine o'clock nine o'clock eastern it renews so you can press little chest and then if you spend money at places um it gives you and it's got like nike mcdonald's uh when you travel hotels That's a great one. I use Choice for my 401k because I moved companies. So I rolled over my 401k, put it all in Bitcoin. And then on Choice, they have like a little thing that drops down. And then one I've been using recently is the Fountain app. I'm not sure if you've heard of that, but it's trying to take away market share from Spotify and Apple podcasts. And I didn't realize at first, I thought it was just an app that you could like tip people over the Lightning Network. And I was like, I mean, that's cool. But to be honest, like I'm trying to get my stats up. I'm not trying to give them out. Um, but actually, if you listen to podcasts on the Fountain app, it will stream you sets. So, you know, this morning I was listening to a POM podcast, and I got a hundred sets just for listening to the podcast. You know, over the course of it, and then oh, wow. be- because these sets are free, you know, I'm much more likely to go ahead and use them, send people. It's like I, all I did was listen to a podcast, which I was going to do anyways. Um, so, it kind of goes back to like you were talking about apps and how it's. You know, Bitcoin as an asset is great for saving and stuff, but if we really want to see hyper Bitcoinization, we need more and more people actually using the, you know, the the currency. And I I think all these applications, rather than creating their own token and doing a pump and dump. And, you know, as we've seen, there's been a lot of scams, especially, you know, the bear market exposed a lot of these scams. I think platforms just building on top of the Bitcoin network to, like you're saying, have people use Satoshi's to spend and. Earn as you listen. Listen to earn as a concept. Um, so I've been loving those. I also use Strike. I got a Gemini credit card. Um, I like Gemini because if you use the Active Trader, it's like super cheap fees. Not as cheap as Strike though. No, so I also use Strike. I got a dollar sixty nine buy <laughs> every single day. Got to. um But what's so cool is you know I can use my Gemini credit card, get like three percent back from eating out, and then you know if I use my Gemini credit card, and then I also use Lolly. That's like two things I'm getting. Bitcoin back from using the credit card, and I'm getting Bitcoin back uh, from Lolly, and it's uh, yeah. if Bitcoin does what I what what we think it's going to do, it's going to be so wild. Telling our kids 20 years in the future, like, yeah, I used to get a hundred. I was a spending
1: day. fiat and getting <laughs> Bitcoin back. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know. I think, I think this conversation is an interesting one because I so I worked in uh, in traditional finance. I did personal financial planning. Uh, for 16 months before I'm working with the company that I'm with now. And, um, dude, I, I always thought it was interesting, like the actual implementation of whatever your financial plan is, right? Um, because obviously right now, the vast majority of people, including the two of us, have to utilize the existing dollar system, right? We can't not. And uh, I, I think it's interesting to think about how how we utilize the systems that we're utilizing, right? I mean, you've talked about all these different ways. We've talked about all these different ways that we're buying Bitcoin, that we're transacting uh, back and forth on the Bitcoin network. We're utilizing other systems to spend our fiat that we've got to spend and be able to get Bitcoin back, listening to podcasts on Fountain and being able to earn sats. Um, what are some of the things like uh, that you do on the on the uh, the dollar side? I mean, do you have like saving, different savings accounts? Do you have like a checking account and savings accounts and how do you how do you manage your income from I get it from my employer and then out to the point where now I'm spending these dollars, I'm saving these dollars in bitcoin. Do you save cash also? Are you in the stock market right now or what does that stuff look like for you?
0: Honestly, um like 2020 I was kind of all over. Even shitcoin for a little. Not proud of it, but I did. Um, <laughs> and then, but <it's, laughs> then I just read reading books like the Bitcoin standard, and the Fiat standard, and you know, listen to a lot of different people. That, you know, the more I've learned, the more I have just essentially put everything into Bitcoin. And you know, I have various types. Like I do have a cold card, highly recommend it. It's a great device. I got some cold uh, storage Sats. I got some Sats on a Moon wallet. You know, because that's much easier. Like if someone has a Lightning network, or if I if I haven't seen it yet in cambridge but if i ever saw a place that accepted bitcoin i would pop in there and use my Moon wallet um which is a hot wallet because it's on my phone you know it connects to the internet but i keep a much smaller amount on there um but to be honest like i guess i keep a tiny bit of cash on hand but most paychecks like the second it comes in i keep like a thousand bucks maybe in my checking i don't have any savings you know i keep a thousand bucks just in case like a random bill pops up or something but outside of that, like I'm usually draining my main checking account, my main bank, um, and just it's either going into Bitcoin or it's going to pay the bills. Because like you said, we have to use fiat, you know, by decree, uh, as it means in Latin, we, we have to use it to pay our bills and whatnot. But it is interesting, you yeah. know, you mentioned like the business models of these businesses. And do you, do you remember the uh, company MoviePass? Did you ever use that?
1: Uh, I, rem- I remember the name, but not, I don't remember like super specifically though.
0: So essentially what it was is like you pay $10 a month and they gave you this like movies, movie pass debit card and you could go and see unlimited movies. And I, I waited for like a year to do this thing. Cause I was like, that's just too good to be true. There's no way this is like a thing. And then sure enough it was. So I, I only had it for like three months before the company went under, but I was seeing like five, like there's no way they were making money from me. Like you pay 10 bucks. It's like, that's one movie ticket. You know what I mean? So it was it was like
1: if it was a, that, right.
0: Yeah, if that nowadays with inflation, it's like this
1: Yeah, nowadays with inflation, you gotta pay a hundred. It's a hundred bucks. You wanna go to the movies? Hundred bucks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Between the popcorn, you no, know, you're not shitting. The ride there, it's crazy. Um, but you know, I think the idea was like the network effect, and if it gets big enough. And I, I really hope these companies, because I don't know exactly how Lolly makes money, how Fountain makes money. I know the network effect for these technology companies is very powerful. The more people use it, the bigger they get. Um, but I am so curious to see in the future how these things play out, because I, I, I don't know the business models of these companies. I love their services. I will gladly use them. Um, but I don't want to see a movie pass happen where it's like one of these too good to be true things, because the business model isn't there. Um, but I would assume, yeah. like, I'm just, I'm speculating here, but I would think Lolly gets some type of partnership fee or something from the companies they partner with. And then at, with the price of Bitcoin right now to pay someone a couple of stats, like I imagine, I hope so, at least for their sake, that it's like a slightly bigger fee they get for referring someone, you know, getting someone business because they went through the Lolly platform.
1: Yeah, you know, you, you kind of brought up an interesting piece and it made me think about the last conversation we'd had on on our show Um, but about this orange pill that opens your eyes to the world. Right. Um, and you were kind of mentioning like the business models and and how businesses are operating to try to grow, grow and be profitable. Right. Uh, if you're owning and starting a business, you want to be profitable. You should be profitable if you're providing good value in the markets. Um, you know, it's, it seems like the way that we think about the wild west in that there was no rules and things were just crazy and wild and out of control. Uh, I feel, like, I feel like it's starting to become true of what this legacy financial system has created. Uh, I, feel like, I feel like business is done in such, in such a unique way because of the, the rules of the game, right? And as you and I both know, the incentive structure is not set up for everyone to be altruistic and have love and truth at the focus of their heart, right, and what they're doing. And that ultimately is going to lead you down a little bit of a strange path. You know, and so it'll be interesting to see as you're as you're kind of speaking to like the business models. How does how does business change over the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years or whatever, as we move away from this system and into this new system? And it's I think systems sometimes use a bad word. Right. But like, I mean, it's systems. Right. It's a set. Think of it as a set of rules. Right. I mean, you talk about rules, not rulers. I mean, but it'll be interesting how, how those things change over time, because we obviously uh, we obviously have side effects and consequences in our financial system that impact how business is being run, you know, those are, yeah. those are weird things. To think about.
0: I was reading a Jimmy song piece before he hopped on this um, Bitcoin song sheet, rent seeking. Um, and he was just talking about how in our current system, it's almost like it's being used like the example of a think tank. People aren't concerned with providing values to their customer. It's you know when you're working a think tank, it's just making sure your boss is happy with you, and then you have job security. And I think in the system, to your point, it's like everyone is just incentivized to do the wrong thing. Even companies that do provide value, like Uber, like Uber Eats, taking an Uber somewhere, it stopped a lot of drinking and driving. It's it's done a lot to provide value and help people, but I don't think Uber's ever been profitable in their entire time, and they went public. And, you know, just on the face of it, it's like, that's a good company. Like, that is a legitimate service that people want and need. But in this current system, it's like, what motive do they ever have to be profitable? You can have an initial public offering. If we buy into it as retail investors, we have no say in them making more shares, change, like doing whatever they want to do. And everyone's self-interested. Like, like you're saying, people, companies should be incentivized to turn a profit. But because we are all humans, we are all self-interested actors. You know, if I'm sitting on the Uber board and this company goes public and our stock is worth more than it's ever been, why wouldn't I dump? Why wouldn't I dump to get cash and, you know, retire early or start a new or do whatever I want to do, which again, isn't like I'm not shitting on the Uber board, um, but just in this current system, it doesn't incentivize people to just constantly create value. And and that's why I want to see companies like Lolly and Fountain and, and a ton more we mentioned um, succeed because it's like I really do value their services. I love clicking that little chest as stupid as it is in the morning, getting free sats, listening to a podcast, getting free sats. Like all those things I think are great. And uh, in this current system, like, it, you know, as things just kind of unwind and, yeah. you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't see you that know, speech. Go ahead.
1: I was going to say, it seems like, uh, you know, in another thing that we had talked about previously was Bitcoin or Bitcoin with the lowercase b or the uppercase b. And the investment side, right, because there's the hard money, the the absolute scarce commodity money, which is Bitcoin with the lowercase b. But the investment side of it that everybody's excited about is Bitcoin with a capital B. And uh, I think it's so cool to see, I mean, just like what we're doing here, right? I mean, I, I haven't met another Bitcoiner and thought, man, I like that guy. I want him to succeed. If I can help him, I want to help him. And that's like that's part of the network, you know, that's, that's the Bitcoin network is, there's this different focus on low time preference and and truth and helping each other, right? And, and working together to grow in this decentralized following rules type manner, right? It's like, hey, if we could all agree on these protocols and they all seem to help, it, it all helps me, right? Me, I, the individual. It helps me because I'm a self-interested actor, right? It helps me. And if I do that and it helps me and it also helps that guy too, well, that seems like a good idea. Um, let's see if we can pursue this. And this has been, you know, uh, 13 years in the making and uh, and it's going pretty damn good, you know. It, it's yeah. And it's funny too because you – and you would absolutely agree. Like the level of conversation you can have with somebody about Bitcoin that hasn't done the research is capped. You can't. There's just certain things you're not able to really talk about because maybe they don't have the the baseline understanding of this or that to to really understand what the question is or whatever it may be, right? And so uh, it's it's interesting whenever you talk with those people, you talk about the price. It's like, oh, Bitcoin's not doing good at all because it's down in dollar price, and you're like, yeah, I mean, like, kind of that that definitely plays a role in it, right? You can't. I'm not a believer in just ignoring the price because the price it, it tells you something, right? I mean, it's some measure of adoption and uh, consumer uh, consumer, I guess, security in in Bitcoin or I say security. Let's call it certainty, right? Um, it seems like it, it has it has good merit, right? We should see the price and, and understand what it's telling us. But but it's like no, because the price of Bitcoin is down right now. That doesn't mean that Bitcoin's not not in a good spot you know i mean the network is growing all the fundamentals i think you were kind of mentioning it earlier but uh the fundamentals of bitcoin it's all growing the total hash rate everything it's all growing you know
0: i'm just so glad you brought that up it's a perfect segue into the next question and i also want to mention it's almost like while the the spot price is down it's almost like a, a perfect cleansing because in this current fiat system you know coinbase like when they first came to the market like they gave access so like, they helped give access to bitcoin to so many people and they did a good thing and then down the road they kind of started shit coining and you know helping a16z dump all these tokens on retail and it's like the incentives of this fiat system were too uh i don't even know what, what the word is like it, it's almost I'm almost thinking of it as like advice like they wanted that money so of course they help a16z dump on retail because they get money for trading fees um and, and, you know, to your point about like when you, know, when you know you're talking with another Bitcoin or someone who's put in that time, like your level of conversation was elevated. And I'm happy you brought it up because the next question I had to ask you is, how have your friends and family been reacting to this recent Bitcoin drawdown? And it's so hard to uh, tell someone who doesn't necessarily kind of see it the same way. Like, no, it's like it's a good thing. Like all these big hedge funds and venture capitalists and um people who are getting leveraged up have been flushed out of the system. All these people who aren't in Bitcoin to spread this decentralized system where you can take actual control of your money and just follow a set of rules and act in the interest of your own self. And, you know, just like be a self-sovereign individual. Um, a lot of these hedge funds and Wall Street traders, they just, they're in it for the profit, which again, I mean, that's what got me into it. Like, that's not a bad thing, but I don't think a lot of these big, players sometimes come in for like the altruistic reasons that, you know, the plebs seem to be in it for. Um, so I'd love to know how your friends and family have been reacting and kind of what you've been telling them. Cause I know it's a little harder to explain to someone who hasn't gone down
1: the rabbit hole. This one is so funny because you're absolutely right. Right. Uh, and you're, you're a, you're a big proponent of this thing. Like if people don't think that you're insane, you're like not a real bitch. <laughs> <mid-quinter>, right. <laughs> and, uh, dude, it's so funny because like, Dude, I, I was—it was a couple weeks ago, and it was—it was when Bitcoin dropped from like, from like forty-one to like thirty-two or thirty-five or something like that or whatever. And it was like six, six fifteen, six thirty. I'm about—I'm taking a sh- I was sitting—I was sitting on the toilet. I'm taking a shit. I was on Twitter, and my grandpa calls me. Hey Nick, hey Nick, what are you doing? What are you doing? Six fifteen in the morning. I'm like, hey, Papa, what's up? And he's like, oh, I was watching the news this morning. Saw Bitcoin's down are you okay? Are you doing okay? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm buying more, Grandpa. I'm buying more. But then, like, the, I mean, the people that I work with, they think that I'm, they, they're like, you know, they, they, they appreciate the conviction, but they're like, I don't know what this guy is doing, <laughs> right? And, uh, and my dad, my dad is funny. I, I orange-pilled him halfway, like halfway. He, he's at the point where he, he buys and he owns Bitcoin, but he's, but he's more in it for the investment side of it, you know? He hasn't quite dove all the way down it, but every once in a while he's like, he's like, "Damn, dude, I can't believe it dropped again." I'm like, "Yeah, I know. Just keep buying, just keep buying." And but he he'll send me articles and stuff, and I'll talk to my mom and, and some other people about it. And uh, you know, most of my friends aren't aren't Bitcoiners, uh, other than Griff, who obviously we've got the show together. And uh, one of our other friends, Nico, he plays he plays kind of the whole game though. He plays like the shitcoin casino he buys and holds Bitcoin and Ethereum and and like Solana. And so he's a little bit more like out into the crypto space. Um, But it's funny though, most of them, most of them are like, what are you doing, dude? You know, like uh, I, you know, I had one friend that's like, he's just getting his first job and he's like, I'm gonna pay off all my student loans. And I'm gonna start, you know, I got my 401k and I was like, oh cool. So you're just, you're just starting to, you're just starting to see that there's like this whole financial world out there. Just wait, you know. Just wait until you start. Just wait until you figure it out, you know. And uh, no, I think that that piece is funny. You mentioned earlier like Coinbase and stuff though, like for for normal people that are out maybe trading and stuff. Dude, I can't believe that there's fees. I can't believe there's still trading fees on platforms. It was funny. So, uh, you know, when the price goes down, if you're insane like a Bitcoiner is, uh, you buy more. You want to dump more in so that you can get cheap sats, right? So we've got, uh, I say we, my, my fiancé and I, we've got all of our, our finances already joined together, which is, it makes things run really efficient and every, everything's going really good with that. So we've got cash savings because we're, we're looking to, to buy a house here in the next several months or so. And we'll see what that looks like. We've also uh, got our wedding next year. And so we've got cash savings for that. And I think the short to midterm savings in cash versus Bitcoin, I think that that's a whole conversation that maybe we can get into. but. Um, so, anyways, the Bitcoin price drops, and I was like, "Oh, I gotta throw in a couple extra uh, dollars here." And so I transferred from our Ally savings account to Chase, where then I was gonna transfer from Chase to Strike so that I could buy. And in typically with Zelle, and then with uh, with the transfer to Strike, you can do it all instant, and there's no fees to do it. <clears throat> well, it wasn't it wasn't transferring for some reason. It wasn't. It came to my Chase account, but then. But then strike wouldn't see it strike wouldn't like recognize that it was there or something because it was still pending or whatever well, but cash app did I did not realize that cash app has trading fees. So I so I immediately buy and I'm like, man I had to pay I had to pay $17 fee to, Just to buy just to buy this Bitcoin like I can't believe that that's the truth so then I was like, okay, how can I how can I get out of cash app and not have to pay a fee to sell so I ended up having to transfer via the Lightning Network, which worked out great from Cash App to Robinhood and then was able to then eventually sell on Robinhood for like hundred. I made like hundred bucks and just sold and then put my cash back in our cash savings and just kept my hundred bucks. Um, but I, I'm like trading fees are like, what are we what are we doing here? This is the this is 2022. This is like Bitcoin free money and we're paying fees.
0: It's so funny you bring up up Robinhood, too, because it's like that was the platform back in like 2017 when I was in college that essentially got me into trading stocks because, you know, my grandpa had a Wells Fargo account and he showed me all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm not like, you have to pay five bucks to execute a trade. Fuck that. Like, I'm not paying five bucks to buy stock. So then Robinhood comes along. They eliminate trading fees, but then they do this sketchy like. What is it? Something to order flow. I forget what the, what the term is. Um, And I'm pretty sure Bernie Madoff was the, um, the person who came up with it. I I saw Gary Ginster was on uh, I think it was Jon Stewart's podcast. And John Stewart was taking the jab. He's like, you know, who made payment payment for order flow. I think that's what it is. He's like Bernie Madoff came up with that. The dude who made the infamous Ponzi scheme. And I have such conflicted feelings because I'm happy to see Robin hood, you know, finally you can send and receive out your Bitcoin on their platform. And, I do appreciate what they did to give the little guy, give retail access to the markets without a trading fee, and then everyone else had to follow suit because it's like Hood was growing so fast. And all these old brokerages like Schwab, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, all of them were like, "Well, we got to take away fees because we can't, you know, compete if we have trading fees." But then at the same time, it's like makes it so much harder for retail to compete because you know the big players like Melvin Capital and Citadel picking up pennies in front of the steamroller, you know, just executing their trade in nanosecond beforehand, taking a penny. But if you do that for a billion trades, I mean, that's a lot of money that adds up over time. Um, so retail gets kind of screwed, but I am hopeful that more and more platforms will kind of have to go the strike route and really significantly drop their fees because strike is gonna just make it so much more efficient and just get all this market share. And that's one thing that, uh, you know, I, I just started, like, I'm only, like, 12 pages in, so maybe take this with a grain of salt, you know, do your own reading. Um, but the next question I have for you is what books are you reading right now? And I just started uh, Mises' Human Action. Pretty sure, like, Lud, Ludwig von Mises is a big Austrian econo- economist. And he was saying how it's, like, the the system that the British and the French created with capitalism, or, or maybe it was, he was talking about Marxism. He was just saying that, like, an entrepreneur comes in and makes something more efficient and then everyone else has to follow suit like Robin Hood did with trading. And in this current Keynesian economic system, it's like they're trying to protect the legacy businesses. Like, no, 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 we, you can't have this more efficient thing. Um, they like try and protect these older businesses who aren't providing legitimate value, but we're just, you know, market actors to begin with. And it's like we should be trying to incentivize the most efficient things. So we just get to this point where we are living in a world of abundance for everyone. Like, I think, I genuinely believe we could have a world of abundance for everyone. And in our current system, it just incentivizes all the wrong things. And it tries to protect the legacy players. And it tries to make it so they don't have to worry about innovating. They can just keep paying their employees. They can just keep doing the thing, keep it, you know, keep the status quo. When in reality, it's like, if we just let people innovate. I, I think, and that's what we optimize for. Um, just maximum efficiency, I think we would have a much better system overall than if we were constantly trying to protect these legacy players claiming they were too big to fail, this and that. And uh, clearly, you know, <laughs> clearly they weren't. I mean, look at, like, it's, it's such BS that Citadel and Melvin Capital, and that look good. Is that some steak?
1: Well, it's well, so, okay. So what's the deal? Oh. This is my fiance, Janae. Hi.
0: Hi, Janae. Um, nice to meet you. I'm Connor.
1: Um, I I made pulled pork overnight, and nice. I was just transferring it into Proof another dish, work. and I, I, a <laughs> bite of it and I brought stuff. Nick a bite, so it's really <laughs> delicious. Man, I'm jealous. I want um, some pulled pork. Well, you were saying you were saying books. You know, it's funny. I uh I love reading personal development. Um, I don't know how big you are on routines and things like that, but I that's like that's like a whole other side passion that I just I love. Um. No, uh, I have not. I have not dove into Bitcoin from a book standpoint, which is which is strange because typically I do do that for everything else that I do. I've only read the Bitcoin Standard. Okay, I was going to. Cur- that's that's
0: a mu- nice. That's a. Must. And i have
1: current. And I'm currently reading the bullish case for Bitcoin, and I love the bullish case for Bitcoin. It's really good. I, most of the most of the reading and stuff that I've done for Bitcoin has been. Bitcoin magazine articles, which by the way, your, your article is really good. Love it. Thank you. Love that. Yeah, that's super dope. That. I think that it's so cool that you, that you've got an, an article for Bitcoin magazine. I'm sure you'll write more. I think that that's super, super cool. So congratulations on that. Um, I, I did read that. That was a super slick little article, but yeah, I mean, I, I read like, I read Bitcoin magazine articles. I, I, I interact with people on Twitter. Um, and then I, and then Griff and I get together and just kind of formulate our own ideas. And, uh, but I, I, do, I, de- I do need to read more uh, to, you know, kind of bring things a little bit more for, full circle. But, um, you know, it's, it's been interesting almost in a sense not having read a ton about it because I feel like I'm, I'm, it's more so like just conversations and interacting with people um, that has formed my opinion on Bitcoin. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about this yesterday, like with the podcast you know, in, in when it's a bear market like this, and things are just kind of boring and it, boring, and it's choppy, and we traded sideways for a little while, and then we had two hard drops, and it's like, you know, I don't, I don't really care. I just want to stack my sats and do my deal. Um, but with our podcast, I mean, we, we're we're talking about this shit every single week, and we got to be ready to go, right? And, and and so sometimes when it's boring like it is now, it's like, man, I wish I could just stack my sats and stay quiet about what's going on. Uh, But I can't, you know, and so it's kind of been interesting to think about um, we're almost like we're connected to Bitcoin, but we're disconnected from everything else in the sense that like I typically throughout the week, I'm I'm interacting with people on Twitter. I'm reading some articles and then I'm hopping on to talk with Griff about what's going on in the Bitcoin world, you know, this past week. And uh, it's, so it's kind of been interesting. It's almost like Bitcoin is like a little iso- isolation tank from the rest of the world for myself where everybody else thinks I'm a lunatic. <laughs> and then I get to hang out with like the, the Bitcoin believers on Twitter and hang out with Griff. And if we've got a guest that week, we get to hang out with a guest. If not, it's just Griff and I hanging out. And we're basically just like a couple of psychopaths hanging out talking about how we think the world should be different, you know? and uh it's been it's been a ton of fun for sure and hey get to meet people like you out of the deal i'm winning for sure <laughs> Well,
0: dude, hey, amen you know we talked about like our friends and family and it's like obviously we love them all to death but when someone's like oh like you must be so sad like half your net worth in fiat terms just got cut in half and it's like it's so hard to explain to them like every metric in the network it's good to see the whales given some bitcoin you know the amount of wallets with one million sats is hitting new all-time highs. The hash rate's hitting new all-time highs. Like every metric of the network is growing stronger. Leverage is getting flushed out and they're just looking at you like wide-eye, like what the hell is wrong with this person? But then you talk to other Bitcoiners and it's like a decentralized network. You realize there are other people who are, I mean, obviously we, we want to see our purchasing power appreciate over time, but we also genuinely believe that this can be a better system and it just reassures you. And if anything, part of me is almost like, I'd love to see 10K Bitcoin just so I could get a full coin much quicker. You know, it's like, and I'm not saying I'm not calling for 10K Bitcoin. I I don't, who the hell knows what happens with the spot price. But it's you almost like reach this Zen point where it's like, it doesn't matter if what we see, I'm just going to keep dollar cost averaging as long as I can. I'm just going to keep talking with other Bitcoiners. I'm just going to keep reading different books and trying to educate myself and better understand. Um, you mentioned kind of like personal development books. I don't know if you ever read, um by mark manson um how not to give a single fuck or something or something about like <laughs> i forget exactly but, what it is i what the title is I, i'll link it in the show i have notes. not read that specific book though no. but like it's like a personal development book and it's just like you know you only have so many fucks to give is kind of the premise of the book so choose very wisely what you actually care to um you know care for and i kind of read that as i was slowly becoming a bitcoin maximalist and. Um, it just like, even though personal development books aren't technically Bitcoin books, I think when you really look inwards and you really think about what you care about, it's like you invest in it for so many different reasons, obviously for the spot price appreciation, but because you want a better world, you want people to be happy. You want there to be a world of abundance. You want people to be able to do what they want with their time rather than trying to appease a boss at a think tank or, you know, do a gig that doesn't actually provide any value outside of paying them a salary so they can live in this current system that we, we all have to res- reside in by decree.
1: You know, it, you bring up an interesting thought there, right? Because there there is like, whether it's directly or indirectly, <clears throat> this money system that we're operating in today is impacting the way people operate. Now, you and I are very familiar with this time preference concept, right? Uh, and, and, and it's a huge part of the conversation in Bitcoin. You see, that little, you see that little bug?
0: Yeah, I opened um, the door earlier, I had a wasp on <laughs> was like, oh, shit.
1: <laughs> but that, that time preference and operation piece of regular everyday life is a huge part of the way people make decisions, right? I mean, and, and, you know, to your point of personal development and Bitcoin, you know, whenever you have Bitcoin, you're able to focus more on personal development because you're able to lower your time preference and take on things that are difficult. It's not easy to be disciplined. It's not easy to go to the gym multiple times a week. It's not easy to eat healthy. It's not easy to uh, drink enough water. It's not easy to wake up in the morning and, you know, depending on what your spiritual belief is, read the Bible or read personal development books. Or I I love writing in my journal every morning, you know, similar to yourself with what you're doing with medium. You know, I, I write in that every day. I've got uh, I've got certain things that I do with with Janae, my fiance, at night where we I'll read to her at night, which has been kind of a fun way to. I hate sleeping with the TV on, dude. I hate sleeping with the TV on, but Janae loves going to sleep with the TV on. So what we found is if I read to her, she can go to sleep pretty quick, and I get to finish my chapter of reading for the day, and we right. get to both learn something together, and I don't have to sleep with the TV on, you know. It, but it's difficult to do those things. It's so damn difficult to do those things, and if you've got external forces that are forcing and forcing and forcing you to think about right now, today, instant gratification, and this goes this goes to money, right? We know that money is is. I, I don't know that I would say that money is the root of it, um, although the Bible does say the root of, uh, uh, of uh, the love of money is the root of all evil, right? Um, which you know, could, you could very easily tie that into fiat, right? Um, but it's like, if, if, you know, then then tie social media into it, right? I mean, how much does that affect your ability to focus on things, uh, your ability to uh, stay in your lane and run your life the, re- the best that you can, right? It's so easy to fall into the comparison trap of this person's doing that and that person's doing this and I'm only doing that. Well, I'm not good enough. And it's like, that's not true though, you know, because, Connor, what is a great killer week for you? And what is a great killer week for me? They're two different things because we don't do the same thing. We don't have the same life, right? And so you got all these factors that are pushing people to think about right now, right now, right now and and not prioritizing what is difficult today for what is better in the future, you know? And I don't think that that's good for humanity, you know? We got to focus more on the future and if that means it's it's difficult right now to do some things, dude, that's the price. You got to pay the price. They, you ha, they, it's proof of work. It's proof of work. It was funny. We were over at uh, at Janae's parents yesterday, and uh, we went over there after work, and and we spread out a ton of mulch all over all over their garden. Um, they've got you know rose rose uh, plants and stuff. All so this, we spread all this stuff, and we were we're walking around. You know, I just had a pair of shorts on, walking around barefoot in the grass, shirt off. You know, in the sun, birds are chirping, nice and hot and sweaty. We're spreading mulch, bare hands. You know, I'm like that. This is Bitcoin stuff. This is proof of work. <laughs> proof yep. of work. There's no, there's no like, oh, I'm just gonna buy mulch and then it just spreads out. No, you gotta go spread it, dude. You gotta go. You you can buy the opportunity, but now you've got to go uh, capitalize on the opportunity, right? And uh, I think with this fiat system, man, people 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 get away from that, and you don't even realize you get away from it.
0: Well, man, I, I love
1: that example you
0: just brought up with your wife and it's like, she likes watching TV, but it kind of bothers you. So rather than like getting in an argument and doing like the low time preference thing, it's like, how can we create a system that's a win-win system for both of us? She likes being read to by you. You get to read more pages in your book, expand your knowledge. And I think in this current system, you're right. It's like now, 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 now. And when you have to have that instant gratification, it's nearly impossible to create a win-win situation. It's typically a win-lose type situation. And when you lower your time preference when you think long term it incentivizes people to act in you know their mutual interests and it's like yes the spot price of bitcoin is down in fiat terms but it's like you you learn to be patient you learn to ride that out you learn you have skin in the game when you put your purchasing power you put your value whatever in this currency and it does make you a more patient a more understanding a more kind person like i talked about in the article like i genuinely believe that people who really take the time to go down the rabbit hole start optimizing their life for win-win situations they start realizing that people have different perspectives um and even like obviously i think bitcoin is going to change the world for the better but i think it's important too to realize like the way i see the world isn't the way someone else is going to see the world so, you know, some people will never take the time to buy a cold cart and put their Bitcoin in cold, hard storage. They might keep it on a hot wallet. they might keep it on an exchange. You know, they might kind of get half orange pilled, um, but not judging people, not, you know, you know, just just being there as a resource. Say, hey, I'm happy to help you if you want to learn about cold storage, if you want to learn why that's important, if you want to get rid of the counterparty risk, which is like a huge part of this ecosystem. Um. I, I, I can't express, or, you know, tell you how much I love that example because it's such a good point of a Bitcoin or doing something to create a win-win situation, rather than you know doing the high time preference thing and you know one person wins, one person might lose. It's like you know if you just be like, no, we're not watching TV tonight. It probably led to an argument. Or, you know, it's like turn off that TV. It's like that's a win-lose situation. One person is not happy. And it's just like yeah. such a good example of what a bitcoiner does. Find a situation that works for both people that is in both people's best interests.
1: You know, I think it was, I think it was, the Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Have you ever read that one? Mm-hmm. That's a that's a good that's personal them. development book. That's a good one. Um, but kind of going back to your point, or what you know, the the low time preference, high time preference, short term um, short term uh, mindset versus long term mindset. Instant gratification, all of those things. So he's got a piece in there where he's talking about decision making, right? Um, and essentially, the idea is, and this is a big Tony Robbins thing too, is like your mental state. Um, if you're in, if you're in a, a certain mental state, that affects your decision making process, right? I mean, obviously, like it, you're kind of like, yeah, it, that that's just kind of a fact of life, right? But the 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 more important piece was. Ideally, you want to make a rational, logical decision that is best for yourself and for the, the majority into the future, right? I- ideally, that those are the kinds of decisions that we want to make, right? Uh, do I go to the gym or do I not go to the gym? Logically and rationally, my mind says that I should go to the gym. It will make me healthy. It will improve my mind. It improves my mood, appro- right? Uh, should I eat fast food or should I come home and show the proof of work, and make my dinner with real ingredients, with real food, and then eat that dinner. Uh, Which one should I do? Well, rationally and logically, I should avoid fast food because it's not good for me, and I should eat the good food, right? Uh, And the the, the fiat system that we operate in today ultimately pushes us to make short-term decisions, but it also puts us in this emotional mindset or this emotional state right and whenever you're in an emotional state whatever emotion you're you're feeling will be reflected in the decision that you make in that mindset right so the the i think the best way is just an example right so if you're if you're like at work and you're in a stressful situation and you've got to make a decision the decision that you make in an emotional state of stress is going to reflect that stress and, and this is kind of, I mean, you have, everybody's probably heard the term sleep on it. You know, you should sleep on the decision. Uh, that, I, I think the idea is that you're supposed to disassociate with that thing, whatever, whatever that event is, whatever that decision is. And if you can disassociate with it over, you know, over a night's rest or a couple hours of, I'm just going to get this out of my mind, whatever that looks like for you. It seems like we can make better decisions doing that. Um, but it's but it's funny again, to go back to, to, to the fiat money system, it ultimately puts us in emotion, uh, em, emotional states that may not align the best with our long-term futures. And that's really strange.
0: No, man, that's a really powerful point. You know, I work in tech sales. So I'm like, obviously I gotta do a lot of cold calling, a lot of cold outreach and some days are better than others, but sometimes I just feel like I'm being a newsome. I'm being a bother. And, uh, you know, it's almost like I feel emotional, and and then it's so easy to get offended when someone's telling you know it's like piss off. I don't want a cold call, but I got to understand that like, I don't know what someone's going through that day. I don't, you know, and I, as far as I can tell, it seems like I'm selling a good product. Um, but I think taking the emotion out and realizing, like, just trying to provide value as best I can. Plenty of people are going to tell me to piss off. Plenty of people are going to tell me they don't want my service. That's just the nature of sales. But the more I can take the emotion out. The more I can just do the best job I possibly can with my outreach, with my tone, with the way I approach it, and just trying to come from a a place of value rather than this emotional place where it's like shit. I need to book this meeting so I don't get yelled at by my boss. Or not, I get a great boss. I'm not saying he would do that. You know, just the more I can take emotion out of it. You know, one of the points in that um, book by Mark Manson was saying. It's like the less you care about something, ironically enough, the more success you have, because I think it kind of goes back You take that emotion out. And when you get emotional, like I can say, you know, when I first started in sales, it's like when someone started giving me objections, I'd start talking super fast. And it's like the second you start doing that, you're, you're coming from a place behind. No one is going to meet with you. Like You know, we, we all know, like at, at this point, everyone gets cold calls. Everyone's getting marketed to constantly. And. Uh, it's like the more cool, calm and collected you can say, the better off you'll be, which is, which isn't always easy, but I think it just goes to kind of, you know, a lot of the points we talked about earlier, lowering your time preference, getting a routine, yeah. just putting these things in place and then detaching all your worth from it, focusing inwards and realizing you are not your job. You're so much more than that. And it'll help you be a, I need to take these lessons to heart. It'll help me be a lot less emotional in my job.
1: Yeah. You know, I think the more that I think about it, the longer that I'm in, you know, because I haven't been in Bitcoin for that long. It's probably been eight or nine months for me. And uh, so I, I, I'm still very fresh, although I dove down the rabbit hole and I've, I've done the vast majority of the research. Maybe I haven't read all the books, like I mentioned earlier. But, uh, you know, like I understand what Bitcoin is to, to the, to the large, you know, for the vast majority of it. Right. Um, and it seems to me, my thought is that Bitcoin is is more so an idea. You know, sure Bitcoin has this physical like code and good. Is that loud? That's kind of loud. No, not.
0: it's all good. Don't worry about it.
1: Um so Bitcoin is more of like a way of life. It's it's a it's a discipline. It's a it's a mindset. You know, it's not uh, it's not just this monetary system that is superior to all and it's not just this network investment that's superior to all. It is a way of life. It's the discipline, right? It's, do I go to the gym? Yes, because that's the right thing to do. That's Bitcoin. That's Bitcoin stuff. When we go out to, to Janae's parents' house yesterday and we spread out, what was that, 20, 25 bags, they say? Uh, mulch? Yeah. I don't even know. It was, I think it, it was, was 25 bags. I think it was 25 bags of mulch. That's proof of work. That's Bitcoin stuff. Whenever, we, whenever Janae and I meal prep our breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the whole week, and then we don't have to we don't have to spend tons of time preparing our meals and eating up time in our day, making it more efficient. That's Bitcoin stuff, right? That's proof of work, and it was with good food, proof of work and Bitcoin stuff. It's like this; it's a way of life, you know. And uh, and I really love that stuff because I I am of the belief that we have to operate with authority in our lives. We have to be intentional about. What in our lives we give authority to impact our mind, we we have to we have to control what we can control and give to God what we don't control, right? And that's kind of the that's kind of the oh well, if I just don't care about this thing, well, sure you care about the sale, right? You, you definitely care about the sale, but hey, if something happens outside of your control, hey, that's okay. That's not me then. I did my piece. It didn't work out this time. The next one, right? it's the next one. Just keep going. Just keep going. And you know how that works in sales. I mean, you know the deal in sales. But yeah, it seems it seems to me like Bitcoin is so much more just, it's a way of life. It's how do you approach life? What's your mindset and, and approach to life? That's what Bitcoin is. And Bitcoin is about proof of work, discipline, do the right things, right? Operate with truth in your heart and and treat others the way that you want to be treated, right? The golden rule. It's like those, these are Bitcoin things. Us being friends and meeting on Twitter, that's Bitcoin stuff, you know? Starting businesses and providing true value in the marketplace, that's Bitcoin stuff, you know? And uh, dude, I'm excited about it. I think I think the future of Bitcoin is is the future of humanity and I think that it's really bright, you know? I've got, it's it's so, I think it's so easy to get caught up in all the bullshit, and think that you know, all this stuff that's happening. You know, we had COVID happen. That was a super strange deal. Now, we, then we got all this, all this crazy stuff that's happened economically with the printing of money, and uh, now they're now they're raising interest rates, and we had this huge stock market ru- run, and now it's crashing back down. And then the real estate market cruises up, and and I'm sure that that's going to start crashing down here at some point. We already know that demand is starting to decrease because cost is going up. Via interest rates, right? It's it's so. We just had Roe v. Wade overturned. I don't know if we want to talk about that at all. But Roe v. Wade was just now overturned. I mean, it's so easy to get caught up in, in what's happening day in and day out today in this world, and think that man, I don't know. I'm not so sure about the future of humanity. But but I don't believe that. I think that humanity is is strong. I think that we've got. I think the, the vast majority have what they believe to be true in their hearts in their hearts and focused in their hearts in moving forward into the future. I think that Bitcoin is going to bring a ton of orange pills down, down people's throats that's going to open their eyes to this world that we've lived in. And it's going to pull people into this beautiful, beautiful, utopian, orange world that might be based on a Bitcoin standard. And, dude, I'm excited about that, man.
0: I just got to say, ironically enough, I don't know why, but as a kid, I always imagined, and this is before Bitcoin was even created, you know, I always imagined heaven as this big orange cloud. Like I shit you not, that was always what I thought I saw heaven as. Um, And, you know, you hit the nail on the head. It's like Gigi always says, you don't change Bitcoin, Bitcoin changes you. And there's only so many things that we can have control of and the rest, we just got to, you know, have faith that the higher deity, God has a plan for us. And it just, it's, you know, to to the Roe v. Wade thing, I've always kind of been a big libertarian. I've always thought people should have the choice to do whatever they want. I'm not a woman, so it doesn't really affect me, but, you know, I got sisters, I got moms and just seeing on LinkedIn, what was so saddening to me, is just to see like the divisiveness rather than people, you know, worrying about themselves and you know, then thinking like state to state, like now it becomes a state issue and and I'm not a political expert, um, but it, you know, it seems like, you know, if, if, you know, if you feel so strongly about this, as I know a lot of women in this country clearly do just by the LinkedIn posts that were going up, it's like, call your state senators, call your local people and tell them how you feel, you know, and it seems like our current, this fiat system just optimizes, for people to just get angry for no reason rather than actually take action and do something. If you feel so strongly about it, don't make a Facebook post just shitting on how the country is going up in flames, call your local representative. Um, And it's almost like, you know, for the wealthy people in this country, if they want to get an abortion, they're going to go and get one. It, it doesn't affect them. It just affects those who don't have the means to travel somewhere. And um, it's, it was just, It's And and that's that case with, I mean, gun rights and with with whatever. It seems like the media is just trying to provoke an emotion and reaction from people rather than solve a problem, rather than say, all right, you really believe this? Like, try and enact some local change in your local government or at the state level. Um, You know, now it just seems like the media is just trying to provoke emotions to get people riled up so they can get clicks and advertise on their, their own platform, unfortunately. I
1: think you're on mute, Nick. It, it it really is super strange to think about the divisiveness of all this stuff, you know, because you know George Washington said it that uh, the political party system would be the death of America, right? And, and it, I think that this holds a lot of weight, just in just in the sense that it, it now becomes us versus them, right? And it very easily can turn into that if you're not if you're not extremely conscious and intentional about your mindset. And how you're approaching a situation right because because the media pushes that to be this the default way of operation is it's uh, it's me versus them oh well they said this and i and these people think that and it's like it's like guys can we maybe just like talk about this like you you and i can disagree on something and and we should also be able to have a conversation about it and say okay well maybe we don't agree on this but like what does this mean though how, how can we, how can we move forward from this? What is the best course of action moving forward? And, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know what the answers bring, you know, like what, who knows what the answers are if we're not able to have those conversations. If it's all about, you know, you know, if, if we have to, if we have to listen to the, the message through the gatekeepers of the message, well then who's really spinning the message, you know, who, what is the real message? Like, is it the, is it the people at the top that are controlling media, that are controlling the message and, and controlling the, the spin or the narrative of the message? Or are we getting the real message? I mean, even even if you go on and do your own research and you cruise around and read, you know, 10 different articles about uh, whatever the issue is from different sources all over the place. Like, I mean, you, you're probably getting a more accurate view, but I don't, maybe you're not. Like, who knows? And I, I agree, man. Like, the divisiveness is, is not good. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's difficult whenever you've got issues where they are, they are heated issues where it, that people feel very passionate about this is, and then you get into an emotional state and then you make emotional, uh, emotional decisions that may or may not be irrational decisions. Uh, you may say things that you may believe deep down in your heart, but maybe you didn't want to tell everybody that thing because now you kind of throw your cards on the table you know that's typically not the best way to approach a situation right you may believe xyz and you may you may fully believe that in your heart and be consciously aware of that belief but you may not want everyone in the world to know that you believe that thing so that you can make the decision on how you want to how you want to act with that belief right because you can say you know you talk about gun control you could say you know what i believe in I believe in the Second Amendment right that we should hold guns, right? But maybe that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you want to go out and you want to, you know, carry a freaking AR around around town and say and 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 promote to everybody that you're holding your gun. That may mean that, hey, I believe in this and you can do your thing, but I'm gonna store guns in my safe in my home. Maybe you believe the exact opposite and you think that we don't need don't need guns. Or you know, obviously, just a ra- you know, super, super uh, exaggerated example. But maybe we don't need guns, and we need to take all guns away. But that doesn't mean that I have to, you know, spit in your face and call you a bitch because I think that you're wrong. Like, you should you should have a belief, but also be able to decide how you want to operate with that belief. You know, and it seems like it seems like with the media and with with social media. It seems like people are almost forced to throw their cards out on the table and show everything that they that they believe and it's like, guys, like let's slow down. Let's stop being so emotional about these things. But it's difficult because they are emotional, right? Uh I mean the Roe v. Wade deal, like that's that's a huge deal, you know? That's that's a huge uh conversation to have and it's very emotional, right? We're talking about we're talking about potential human life, you know? Is that is that an easy conversation to have? No. Is is it easy to have a conversation like that? That's completely disconnected from emotion. No, because like, I, dude, you're gonna be a dad. You know, uh, I, I've got. I, I don't <laughs> wow. have kids in my. I don't have kids of my own, right? But I know that I love my fiance. I love my family. I love my, you know, my my little sisters. I love my cousins. So like, that's emotion, you know. And I can't I can't have a conversation about family without having some connection to the love that I feel for them right and so it's difficult to have those conversations and be separated from emotion but it's like we have to do we have to try to do that you know
0: Well, you're so spot on it's like it's so much easier to disagree with someone who you know is trying to seek truth who you know is trying to find a resolution that's a win-win that works for everyone you know back to the gun thing I, I had a buddy up here in Massachusetts who's a good friend of mine not a bitcoiner but like this kid is genuinely a good dude great guy played football with him only have good things to say about him and you know we were staunch opposites on you know our opinion you know after seeing like kind of some of the bs the world economic forum polls in the past two years and i felt very strongly like the the right to bear arms is what kept america we weren't even like perfectly free it was still kind of a papers please society with the cards in some some cities but it, it very much seemed that uh from my opinion that You know guns protected us in some way but then he felt very strongly that we need to ban ars um you know i came from the perspective of like you know i feel like if we i want to arm teachers but like had you know we have so much money that we can literally print it at the fed like why can't we pay a police officer to patrol our schools to try and disincentivize violence but the argument was never heated we were both just sharing our opinions you know he expanded my perspective i think i expanded his and it's like, while we might not agree on the solution to the problem, we both clearly want to stop school shootings. There's no question about that. We we want the same end. We just think there's. We both have a different perspective of how to achieve that means. Um, and I think it's the same thing with abortion. It's like, I, I personally have always thought women should have that in their situation where someone's raped, or you know, you know, it's it's such a touchy subject. But there's got to be some situation where it's like. You should never incentivize women to abort their babies, but there's going to be cases where people want to do it, you know, have to do it. And it just, it like a conversation, like it's, it's near impossible to keep emotion out of. But if you, if you have people who, you know, are coming at it from a good faith perspective, trying to seek truth, trying to create situations where it's a win-win where women can get access to the healthcare options they need. Um, it's a lot easier to have a candid and open conversation, not self-censor your stuff. And to the point you made about Washington, I'm sure there's Democrats who are pro-life and I'm sure there are Republicans who are pro-choice, but in this system, these people have to self-censor themselves because they need to fall in line with the party ranks if they wanna get reelected, if they wanna keep their job, if they want to move move up in their career. And it's so sad that so much of the population just keeps their mouth shut, uh, you know, with their opinion because they don't want to get canceled or they don't want to lose their job or they don't, you know, they don't want to get blasted by the mainstream media who will make some clickbait article, you know, saying X, you know, said this about what's called again breaking party lines. Um, and then I think I I mean, not to tie everything back to Bitcoin, but it's like Bitcoin fixes this because it makes the person look inward. It makes them operating good faith that makes them try and find win win situations rather than create a clickbaity article so you can get advertising dollars which is literally dividing our country and uh it's you know I, I just i'm so hopeful for what bitcoin can do to create more win-win situations so people aren't trying to provoke emotion but rather provide value and think logically and think truthfully through situations um i think that'll just do so much good for humanity and it can't be understated
1: absolutely yeah it's you know it it's funny we could sit here and talk about bitcoin all freaking day dude we really could it it seems like the conversation always leads to like the point where you're at you're like it's like man it's kind of fucked up right now but i'm pretty confident <laughs> around you know like that's kind of like the end of it all the time you know it's like yeah we're gonna, we're gonna talk about the hash rate we're gonna talk about uh uh we're gonna talk about the anonymity of bitcoin or maybe lack their pseudo anonymous you know maybe we're gonna talk about uh the the cap supply or maybe we're gonna talk about the infrastructure of actually buying goods and services with bitcoin but it all ultimately leads to like you know, this whole thing's kind of fucked up right now. It's it's kind of fucked up. But but I think we can twist it. I think we can get it turned back around. I think we can get it back on track, you know.
0: Hey man, like Max Kaiser says, just relentless optimism. You just gotta remain hopeful, you gotta remain happy. And like you were saying, man, there's only so much we can control as people. And ironically enough, I think the best thing you can do for the world is turn inwards, learn to love yourself, learn to keep an open mind, learn to not take things personally, learn to just accept things as they are and control what you can control, which is you. And if, if you do that, I, I think you can optimize for a much better world. And it seems counterintuitive because, you know, it's like, how, how can turning inward make the world that much of a better place? But if you're not so easily provoked by all these clickbait, click-baity titles in the mainstream media, if you're not constantly getting emotional over this stuff, you're gonna be able to provide value. You're gonna be able to help others. You're gonna be able to make the world a better place, make the world a place you want to uh, want to live in.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I think I know for myself. I'd like to hear your thought on this. Um, you know, I know for myself as a Bitcoiner, right? Because it's it's tough to be it's tough to be a a Bitcoiner and not operate a little different in your life. And uh, I think for me as a Bitcoiner, how do I how do I reflect these beliefs that I have in my regular everyday operation? It's like, dude, just Just don't be a dickhead, you know? Just go out and try to do the best that you can do in everything that you're a part of. Uh, Keep the truth, what you believe to be the truth, close. Treat people well. Operate at a high level. Hold yourself to a standard of discipline, right? You should eat healthy, you should drink enough water, you should work out, you should read books. You should write. I think writing is good. I think writing improves your thinking ability, right? You should do these things to improve yourself as a human being. You should love other people. You should try to spread that that love, right? And whenever you see, and this is where Bitcoin kind of comes in as as an, evangel- an evangelical type deal is like, you you get in and you realize, man, this can be so much better for humanity. I have to tell the world about this. People don't know about this, you know. And, and it's funny because at, at this point, you and I both probably feel like, man, it just we're, we're probably somewhat in uh, what do they call them? Uh, like the the tank where all your all of your same beliefs are just reinforced. What do they call that?
0: Um,
1: <laughs> anyway, so you, you know what I'm talking about. You get on Twitter echo chamber. And it's like all, yeah, echo chamber. Right. You get in. You get in the echo chamber of Bitcoin Twitter, and it's like it's just all Bitcoin, and you feel like everybody knows about it. But then then you go out in the real world, and you're like, oh wait, nobody knows about this shit. Nobody has an idea what's going on, and so. It's like, how can I be the light, right? How can I be the light in this situation? How can, what can I do to put myself in the best position that also allows me to lead from the front? How can I serve as a servant leader? How can I be the leader by example, right? What do I need to do in my life to do that? And and it's all those things that I just talked about, right? And if, if people look at that and say, hey, that's a good way of living, that's Bitcoin stuff. That's proof of work. That's Bitcoin stuff. You know, it, it's it's Bitcoin. It's it's not it's not Bitcoin, the protocol, it's not Bitcoin, the hard commodity money. It's Bitcoin, the principles. It's the principles. Right. And uh, dude, that. That ultimately leads me to, you know, this this thing's kind of fucked up. But I think we're going to I think we're going to turn this sucker around.
0: <laughs> oh, I got, I got the most faith. I mean, we can end with this, but I don't know if you've seen the new talk in yet. But I mean, growing up, like all the history classes I took, I, you know, I had this great pride in the United States. Like, oh, we've never lost a war. We're the most badass. We're we're the best country on the face of this planet. And while I do believe that America has been the best place since our founding fathers, you know, put together the Constitution and created this society, I, I think, especially the past 50 years since we went off a of hard money standard, we have committed some horrible atrocities. You look at Vietnam, you look at Iraq, you look at what we've done in the Middle East, you look at all these things. And it's like, well, this isn't what I was taught in my history class. I didn't realize, you know, it's like, why do people have such disdain for Americans sometimes? And uh, I I brought up Top Gun because watching it, that was the first time, especially going, I mean, that is kind of one of the the catch 22s about the Bitcoin rabbit hole. It's like, well, Bitcoin could make the United States, it could continue its dominance as an empire. We don't fuck this chance up. But at the same time, it's like you go down the rabbit hole and you realize the atrocities. Um, you see some of the shit we've done, some of the shit we pulled with exporting inflation. And I mean, a thousand things. Um, but it felt so good to feel good about this country again, to to know that you know we can um, be a world leader and spread democracy. And that's what's so frustrating to see like our leaders doing shady shit, and then saying, "Oh, we got to go send all this money to Ukraine to protect democracy." Like if I if I felt deep down we were protecting democracy, it would be like, "Fuck yes, send them the money." But when we're doing sketchy shit, as I kind of alluded to in that Bitcoin Bitcoin Magazine article, and we got people saying we're at war with Russia without a vote of Congress, it's like, "All right, th- th- this is not you know we we need to see better from our leaders." And like you said, I, I'm so hopeful that we can create a better world with Bitcoin, a world where people play by the rules because they can't change the rules. They can't they can't, you know, just declare we're at war with Russia without a vote of Congress. You know, you can't just change the code. I mean you can you can fork it and make your own thing, but look how successful Bitcoin Cash or Bitcoin S V or any of the other twenty thousand altcoins out there. I mean the top ten are always changing and the one that's consistent is uh is the king.
1: The orange pillar himself, Mr Satoshi Nakamoto, he was a sharp guy. 13 years running dude i mean do you think that satoshi nakamoto was like the united states like federal government or something what if that was what if that was a deal man i mean that's kind of a that's kind of a put your tinfoil hat on type of thought but
0: bro i'm not gonna lie when i saw the uh that shaw 256 was created by the nsa i was like this thing only goes one (laughs) way so uh (laughs) <laughs> and I'm, I'm not an expert on encryption and as far as i understand it really does only go one way you put a piece of data gets hashed and then to try and go backwards is like it, it doesn't work um yeah but i mean maybe maybe america had someone who realized like shit's kind of fucked up we need to get back to a hard money standard and like what's like max kaiser and all those guys always say um bitcoin wasn't an invention it was a discovery and it was the first true discovery of hard money and Whoever Satoshi was, I mean, the humility to walk away from the project, it's almost like a religious thing. You know, like the Bible's been a source of truth for five thousand years, and Bitcoin can be a source of truth for economic value, which people don't realize is is ties into everything. It's a truth for energy, for for like the underlying foundation of society, it can just be a, a thing of truth that no one can change and while in this current system, you're going to find a lot of people trying to do knockoffs, trying to create altcoins, trying to create all this stuff, trying to create their own tokens. This Bitcoin network just grows and grows and grows and remains a source of truth for anyone in society to follow, and it's uh, it's such a beautiful thing. And the network grows more and more decentralized as people like you and me form friendships, as miners get more integrated with the energy grid, as our national security, you know, and the FBI and the CIA and all these organizations realize. It is a national security imperative to secure bitcoin for our country um and it's beautiful to see also like what i'm also really happy to see is that like less developed countries are getting in on this because i think that's going to help them so much like to see el salvador and central african republic and you know i I want more plebs to get in on this than i do the united states government because i'd like to see their power kind of limited over the so they they can only actually do things that help their citizens and you know, rather than some of the sketchy stuff where you get this big police surveillance state. Um, but it it's going to do so much good for less developed countries. It's going to do so much good for people. And it's going to create a system where like, you know, you can lend money, but it's not like you, you you just get this unlimited amount of credit you can receive because you get too big. There's going to be no bailouts. There's going to be no stopping the chain in the same way they stop GameStop at AMC for these big players like Melvin Capital. It's just a set of rules that everyone has to subscribe to, and if they don't, they will uh, they get kicked off the network. They won't be able to operate. Yeah, yeah,
1: no, it's beautiful, man. I, I think that that's so true. You know, I think the lending piece is kind of interesting, right? Because currently, right now, I mean, if you did it like by the books and you just went to the bank to get funding for your business deal or whatever it was, um, I mean, they're creating money, right? The banks create money. It's not just the Federal Reserve, like the banks create credit, which ultimately, warps and distorts what the real marketplace is, because it's now creating new funding, new credit in the economy. And to Saif Adina Moose's point, uh, in the Bitcoin standard, w- one man's lended money or borrowed money should be another man's foregone spending, right? It should be somebody else's investment and somebody else's liability. That's like double entry accounting, right? Yep. I paid. I paid this much for this asset, and that guy got this much for the sale of this asset or whatever, right? And obviously the terms of your lending is obviously that, that's much more detailed than that. But it, it's supposed to be one man's foregone consumption and this guy's business opportunity where he's getting an influx of cash in order to go create this thing. And that guy should have to pay for that money. And he's paying this guy for that money for his risk on lending him the money, you know? And so... It's just again, you know, this whole system is all fucked up, and the incentive structures are all twisted around, and uh, it, it it ultimately leads to distorted and warped marketplaces that are reflected, uh, or that are that are that are reflecting incorrect signals in the markets, which then be- makes people believe that this is what's true in the market market when it's actually not, and then so they take actions based on these false these false narratives and then that further creates false narratives because then the next guy sees that guy doing something he's like oh that's how you got to do it it's just this whole chain of bad shit happening you know and it's like if we can get back to this root of of bitcoin this truth of of sound scarce money uh then that that solves so many issues i mean cuz then you then then the marketplaces operate correctly Prices equalize, or not equalize, uh, they find equilibrium, uh, they come back to where they should be. Uh, companies are able to uh, make better decisions because they've got more accurate market information because the markets are not distorted and manipulated at that point, right? They're they're more so true. So businesses can make better decisions for the short-term, med- medium-term, and long-term, right? And that, that further allows the individual to live a little bit of a better life because as as the largest companies in the country here in the United States are because we couldn't operate without without some of these huge companies that that maintain our infrastructures, that uh, produce X, Y, Z products and goods and services. Right. That uh, that that manage the supply chain to make sure that we can all have all the things that we need. Like we need those things. We need people that run those companies. dude hum- humans are smart as shit? We can do so much good stuff when we're given the the proper landscape and tools to do it. And when things are twisted and and you know, whenever you're building on the sand, it's like this, the storm's gonna come. The storm's gonna come. And if and if you're building on sand and you're not building on rock, it's you're not gonna be in a good spot when that storm comes, right? And so I, I uh, again, like this this thing is just this thing is all the way fucked up, man but if we can just if we can just hold bitcoin true we could push bitcoin through to the top as we know it will over time as more people realize and understand it's just like the internet everybody thought the internet was a fad here we are right we're we're literally talking on the internet right now and it, it's just the it's just the beginning of that and uh, i think that over time we're ultimately going to lead into a better world that i think that i think that young generations that people seem to hate uh, the Gen, the 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 Gen Zs. What is after the Gen Z? There, is it is Gen Z the most recent? Millennials. There's Gen Y. There's Gen Z and Gen there's Z millennials. And the millennials. So you know, I think that I think that the younger generations, I think are are starting gonna gonna be able to move into this new changing shifting world over the coming years because I think people are starting to realize like man, this is kind of fucked up, you know.
0: Yeah, I love the saying that Bitcoin is the freest market in the world. And I love what you said about like, we're going to find out who's building in the sand and who's building on rocks. And uh, the network just grows stronger and stronger. And sure, while the spot price might go down, all that's doing is showing, you know, the people who are getting caught with their pants down, who who are building on sand. All those people get flushed out, all the people who try to lend out their Bitcoin for yield, and all the plebs are just gladly stacking up cheap sats, putting in cold storage, not worrying about... Earning freaking yield on an asset that over the course of many years has appreciated millions of percent since it was you know first founded, and it's it's just going to keep washing out all those bad actors and uh, keep rewarding those who are doing the right things, who are setting the low time preference, who are building on stone rather than sand. But you know it's it's going to keep growing more decentralized. The incentives are too beautiful. More relationships like this going to be formed um nick thank you so much for coming on man i'm gonna have to have you back on i'll put uh at the nick and griff show on in the sub notes of this show um anywhere else you want to send people to find you on
1: the internet uh yeah twitter's the main one um yeah you, you come to our twitter you can find us all everything there so yeah at nick and griff show on twitter and dude i absolutely appreciate you having me on it was a fun conversation for sure